Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, October 14, 2018. The text for the day comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 6th chapter, verses 5 through 15. I think what's so important about today today's topic and the reason why it is the first vow we take of membership in the United Methodist Church. As I know of nothing that can change someone's life like faithfulness and prayer. I know nothing that can change the life of a community like the attitude of prayer. I know nothing that can transform the life of a church like prayer. But I also think prayer is one of the great tools that Satan uses to lull us into a false sense of security. And the reason I believe this is I want you to take a look back over the last Let's, take, let's, let's go back to last week and a half, two weeks. I want you to think about the time that you have spent in prayer. And I want you to think about where was your mind at that point. And I want you to think about where were your emotions at that point. And I want to ask you what was the theme of your prayer? If I had to take an honest triple dog dare survey here, if I had to suspect a lot of us, most of our prayers would be well-intentioned yet selfish. Because I think a lot of times we get caught up in reaching out to God when we need or want something very badly. I feel bad for those of you who have spent money in politics trying to fight either prayer in schools or prayer out of schools. The old saying is true, as long as there's testing, there's going to be prayer in schools. And there ain't nothing anybody can do about it. And we all know this. But prayer is also one of those things, as we've talked about in our Wednesday night and Sunday night Uh, disciples path groups prayer is one of the only things that Jesus gave his followers a specific answer when asked and a lot of times choir when we look at what Jesus how Jesus answered it we go straight into the Lord's prayer as it is written in either Matthew or Luke and yet Jesus did not Just go into, this is how you are to pray. No, Jesus understood that prayer was not just an ask and answer thing. But that prayer was a spiritual matter that reflects a lot of our lives. And a lot of our spiritual health. And so what he says here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And whenever ye pray. You know, he didn't say, if you pray. For it is understood that a disciple of Christ is one who engages in prayer. But Jesus said, do not be like the hypocrites. 
Or they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. First thing Jesus teaches us about prayer comes long before the Lord's Prayer. What he teaches us that a disciple's prayer is one with integrity. A disciple's prayer is one with integrity. Well, what does that mean? We could preach for probably several years on that one question. I think, though, brothers and sisters, we know prayer has integrity and when it doesn't. The question is, what is it about which we are seeking to pray? Are we praying just because we think it's the right thing to do? Or do we pray because we know of the transformative power of prayer? When Erin and I were in Alexandria, she was in Alexandria, and I was at First Methodist Pineville on staff, there was a big church whose pastor had a commercial that came on at 10 o'clock, during the 10 o'clock news, and said, come worship, and I won't name the church, but come worship with us. And we will teach you to pray to get the results that you want. I had a very non-pastoral response the first time I saw that commercial. Because prayer has to be an act of integrity. We have to mean it when we pray. But we also have to pray in such a way that what we are seeking is not our will but God's. Which leads to the second point. A disciple's prayer is focused on God. Why do you think we read in verse 6, But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I don't know about y'all, but when I pray, sometimes my mind jumps down a trail or two. Anybody else ever have that problem, or is it just me? I start out with the best of intentions, but then a little squirrel comes across my brain, and i got to chase it. I gotta, am I the only one that has squirrels in their brain when it comes to prayer? Amen. Anybody? Anybody? It's hard. It's very, very hard to pray. It's easy in concept. The reason why I say it's hard to pray is it's hard to stay focused on God. Which is part of why Jesus teaches his disciples to step away to pray. And he's saying step away to pray in some ways just to put together a space where you have nothing to distract you. And you can focus on the business at hand. It's like you could walk into any worship space in the world and I can tell you immediately the theology of the architects, the pastors, and the lay people who designed that building. No, I'm not going to answer that question right now here. But there's something about a sacred space. Going back to the Old Testament, and going back to Moses, the prophet, who approached the burning bush. 
and the removal of shoes, and this is holy ground. Notice Jesus is, one of Jesus' last acts with the disciples was in the upper room. They had set aside a place to focus on their business. The challenge you and I face this morning is, do we focus? Do we put ourselves in a position to where we can focus on being in communion with God? For if we are going to be people of prayer, we better be focused on God. He goes on and he says, When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. In other words, friends, a disciple's prayer has substance. One of my great heroes, not because he was perfect, but because in some ways he wasn't perfect. One of my, one of my theological mentors, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, former basketball coach Bobby Knight was interviewed 30 years after his team won the 1987 NCAA championship. And the coach and the interviewer said, Coach, what were you praying for during those final seconds before Keith Smart hit the shot? And Bob Knight, who actually is a Methodist, actually was a Methodist bishop before officiated at his wedding. Bob Knight said, Oh no, I'm not going to waste the Almighty's time with the trivia. I'm going to go to good Lord with stuff that matters, and this doesn't matter. I think Coach Knight caught the essence of a life of prayer is we better be people whose prayers have substance whose prayers have a specific purpose there are many different kinds of prayers there's prayers for self there's prayers for others there's many different ways to pray there's, but here's the other thing about that for a prayer to have substance, we must be people who not only talk, but also listen. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes silence can be deafening. But yet, my friends, part of being people of prayer, part of prayer having substance, is not only speaking, but listening listening to what, the God, what God has to say. You notice what he said there. He says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. I don't think there's anyone who has gotten past the age of four who hasn't at one point or another kidded themselves about what their parents know. I'm going to tell Anna Catherine early. If I have to ask you, chances are good I already know what you did. Erin had a little ritual with her grandmother. Erin never wanted to eat the crust on her sandwiches. And she spent a lot of time with her grandmother. And her grandmother told me this story. So not that, you know, Erin has verified it, but grandma told me this story. So what Erin would do when she was four or five, she would take the uh, crust off her, off her sandwich. 
and stick them under the edges of the plate so Grandma wouldn't see them. Not realizing that Grandma's going to pick up the plate and see what's there. You know, I mean, but you know, the mind of a four-year-old goes many different places. But how many times do we do that with our prayers, brothers and sisters? How many times do we try to cut the edges off of our prayers and bury part of it so that Jesus won't see us? How many times do we try to hide part of ourselves rather than laying it all out there for him? There's a reason why Jesus said he knows what you need before you ask. So let's make sure that our prayers have substance. But then he goes on and he goes into the text of the Lord's Prayer, which I'm going to skip forward. We're going to go to verse 14. Four. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. How many of us hope that that is not true because there's someone we haven't forgiven? Man, y'all are quiet today. <laughs> I guess everybody's mastered forgiveness. I guess nobody's got any None of y'all got issues with anybody? Y'all are the choir. Of course not, right? <laughs> All right. But think about it. A disciple's prayer reflects one's view of God. A disciple's prayer reflects one's view of God. Do we look at God as a loving, caring God? Do we look at a God who wants to hear our every cry? Do we look at God as one who forgives? And do we look as, at God as one who desires to know us? I skipped over the Lord's Prayer part of that for a reason. If you go look line by line, if you go look line by line, you will see that every line in the Lord's Prayer makes a statement about our belief in God. So what are our what is our view of God? Does our if a third party were to look in at our prayer, does our does our prayer journey look like that? Where we're just a greedy little kid on Halloween night wanting everything to be given to us? Or do we go to God humbly? And do we go to God meekly, seeking wisdom, seeking purpose, seeking love? The reason why United Methodists have as the first vow of membership to support our congregation with our prayer is because if we don't pray for our church, and if we don't pray for our pastor, and if we don't pray for our leadership, and if we don't pray for worship, then the rest of it's irrelevant. We must be people of prayer. Bishop Will Williman one day 
and one of his early appointments was a lady walked out of church said preacher I didn't like your sermon today and Wilma said well how much did you pray for me while I was preparing 